Hello, welcome to Detox Podcast. This is episode 51, and it's called Baby. If you are looking for a copy of Pick Your Poison, volume one or volume two, you can hit up my website at denisewalkerspeaks.com. And yeah, once we're done, once we're done this book, we're in episode 51, and there's 75 poems, but we did hug me and bedroom door together. So we've got about 23 episodes left in this book. And then we jump into a whole new one, a whole new level. I'm excited. It's different. The next one is definitely different. Obviously still on the same theme here, pick your poison. Addiction recovery. But as I went, you know, my lessons got deeper and different. So, that's where we're headed. But this one, this is a really important one, I think. It's called Baby. And I think I think we're going to hit some good notes here. Yeah. All right. Let's jump in. Baby. I would never have called myself a sensitive soul. To me, sensitive meant crybaby. Someone who couldn't handle shit. Someone who overreacts. Overreact. That word is lost to me. Aren't we all just having chemical reactions to other people's chemical reactions? One big science lab world, the universe tinkering with our beaker brains until the balance is just right. I am a sensitive person. I'm sensitive to what's real, not to how you react to me reacting to myself or the world around me. I'm a crybaby, an infant, unable to walk alone. But I'm also a mother who will always carry myself in my arms, gently and unconditionally. I couldn't handle any shit. I wasn't ready, but now I am, because my soul is as sensitive as the day I was born. Mm. That's right. This is all about owning the thing that you were least wanting to be. (laughs) For so long, I thought being sensitive was literally the worst thing that you could ever be. It meant that you were weak, and that you couldn't handle shit, and... That was, you might as well just be a crybaby who is just, sure, cute, but useless. It just sits or lays or wiggles and it can't walk and it can't feed itself. It can't even go to the bathroom by itself. Like someone has to change its diaper. Someone has to feed it and water it and care for it. It can't do anything by itself except cry. And that's not articulate in any way. And perhaps on some deep, deep level, that's exactly what I was. Whoa. (laughs) Seriously, though, there were so many times when someone would be like, stop being a crybaby. And maybe didn't even say it to me, but said it to other people. And I just, I felt it, you know, it just hit me. And I thought, oh, no, (laughs) that is not what I want to be. I want to be hard and strong, unbreakable. You cannot push me. But the thing is, growing up, I was a huge pushover. I had two best friends. There was the three of us, and both of them had really strong personalities, and they tended to butt heads with each other quite a bit. And I was always sort of the mediator, the one to just 
try to keep things as smooth and balanced as possible. I did not often get riled up, but they had some very strong opinions. They had some strong things to say once in a while, you know, and sometimes I felt my emotions being triggered. And as a teenager, that's difficult to navigate because we are so very much our emotions. Um, We are the ego in our teenage years, you know? So when there was something that actually bothered me, actually upset me, and I said something about it, their typical response was, we were just joking, don't take it so seriously. And to this day, that still, like, kind of hits me in the gut. It's confusing because on one hand, I'm like, oh my god, I'm being too emotional. That's my immediate response, like, oh no. But true... But the true thing is actually I'm not being heard and I'm not being seen. That's the emotion that isn't being held and validated. If something has upset me and I speak about it and the response isn't, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. It's don't take this so seriously. Do not take this so personally. Your show of emotions is an overreaction of what I have said. But I say here, the word overreact is lost to me because I don't feel like that's truly even a real thing. It's so subjective. Perhaps I wouldn't lose my mind at the Starbucks drive through if they got my drink wrong, but perhaps somebody who's just had the worst day of their life and all they wanted was a Starbucks and they were just able to scrounge up just enough money to buy that tall latte that they've been holding off and doing so, (laughs) so much to not go to Starbucks all the time and spend all their money there. But today they just, they just really want to treat themselves. They've had a really terrible day. Really bad things have happened and their emotional resiliency has just been, it's bottom of the barrel and the, you've got, you're so tired, you're drained, you're running on empty and they get your drink wrong, but you don't notice until it's too late. You can't go back. And now you're with your you know, you're with your friends and you're having a legitimate meltdown, you know, like you are sobbing and crying and, and your friend's like, what the fuck is wrong? (laughs) They got your drink wrong at Starbucks and you are losing your mind. Quit overreacting. This is not a big deal, but it is not the Starbucks drink, right? That's not actually the problem. There is always a much, much deeper reason for our reactions. And it's all very chemical-based in our bodies. We have these built-in responses conditioned by years of belief and behavior. Genetically and through environmental factors of how you were raised, the society you're in, so much of that is preconditioned and is preset, pre-programmed. And your reaction sometimes 
it's just, it's just that. It's not an overreaction, it's just a reaction. A chemical reaction in your body happening to produce an emotion and then action because of that emotion. And somebody else's reaction might trigger a reaction in you and that triggers a reaction in the other person and then in you. And it's just this thing. If we can see past that, if we can become vulnerable and show deeper than just the surface reaction and then beat ourselves up for it, we can get to the heart of some sort of problems we're having, right? So what we've learned so far is that overreaction doesn't really exist. If something seems disproportionately over the top to you in a friend, family member, or even in yourself, what I know to be true is that there is something deeper going on below the surface, right? If I'm having a meltdown because my Starbucks drink was wrong, there is obviously a bigger picture at play here. There is something beneath the surface that we are not seeing. So what I always try to do now, and this is, I think, literally the definition of compassion is... If somebody's having a tough time and you're like, holy shit, can that person just calm the fuck down? Mm. Instead of having that thought, be like, oh my, I wonder what has put them in a position to have had such a reaction right now. It's not, it's probably not just the Starbucks drink being incorrect, right? Like there's something else. Because if you know in yourself, if you say the words, oh, I would never do that. That is a that's a slippery slope because we are all capable of all things basically with the right circumstance the right ingredients pretty much every human is able to do all the things act all the ways say all the different things every personality trait exists in all of us and on a regular basis, some pieces are turned up way high, some pieces are turned down way low, and certain situations can flip the scales and make things elevate or decrease. And as we learn and as we grow, those little knobs, I'm picturing a soundboard, are getting mixed up and moved up and down. And you adjust. You, ad- you adjust to your circumstance and your life and all your experiences. I learned this in a book called uh, the light side of the dark chaser, dark side, no, the dark side of the light chasers, um, by Debbie Ford, and it's all about shadow work. And if you haven't heard of shadow work, it's incredible. It is like the true work, I think, um, where you learn about your shadow, the dark parts of you, and embracing that. And if you, like, for instance. If you've got a coworker who just rubs you the wrong way, nothing they do seems right to you. You would do everything the exact opposite way. You would never say what they say. You would never do what they do. But maybe you would. 
why is that triggering you so much? I struggle with this sometimes. There's people that come into my life, coworkers and non-coworkers, that I'm just like, oh, this person oh, is getting at me. And I'm having this reaction to them. Why? They, their behaviors, their traits, when you have that really gross feeling, it is illuminating something inside of you. And it is your job then, if you so desire, if you are up to the task, <laughs> to go on a journey inwards and figure out why. I can't give you the answers. <laughs> But typically, it has to do with a part of you that you don't like, and you do your very best to hide, or you have a history with that character trait, uh, or personality, or behavior, and it is um, shining light on a part of your past, or a way that you used to be, or a way that you, you wish to never be again, or something that you have been taught to avoid since day one, like being called a crybaby by taking things too personally, being too sensitive, being too sensitive. Oh, fuck, I hate that. Don't you hate that? I hate it. Oh, am I being being too sensitive now? Ooh, maybe I should back off. (laughs) Oh, this is like such a, a pertinent thing to think about when you are in a romantic relationship all interpersonal all interpersonal relationships of course um man I'm reading this other book called the courage to be disliked let me just like I'm just doing that classic podcast thing where I'm like I've been reading this book or I got this from this book I'm also reading this book like book dropping all the time I mean I I guess I give me a break I'm an author Okay, um, <laughs> I like knowledge and I like to share it with you. So I'm reading this book called The, Cur- the Courage to be Disliked. And in it, it says that all uh, problems are interpersonal problems. If not a single other person existed on planet Earth, you would have no problems. Can you think of a problem that stemmed 100% just from you? I bet you can't. I can't. I can't personally do that. Um, so, so these things... These things that arise always come from, from other people and their interactions or reactions with you. So, for example, in, in a romantic relationship, you live together, things are going to come up, right? Like things that you don't agree on, um, things that get on each other's nerves, things that seemingly have no solution or just trigger you so much, you know? So... <laughs> I also learned this from this book called uh, Succulent Wild Love. Wild Succulent Succulent Wild Love. I should just have these written out before I talk to you because obviously I don't know what the titles are. (laughs) But it's by Sark and her husband. And it's so good. I think I've talked about it before, but it's cool because at the beginning, it's like, oh, if you're having, if you have an awesome relationship and you want to make it even more awesome, go to chapters three and seven. If your relationship is on the brink of extinction and you're ready to let it go, go to chapters 12 and 17. It's kind of like, you don't have to read the whole thing. You just read what's pertinent to you at that moment. So I love that. Um, I, I learned from that book that there's absolutely nothing wrong 
with my partner and the way that he does things. Just because he does things differently than me doesn't mean it's it's wrong. And to release that control over like needing things to be exactly the way I want them to be or how I think they should be based on preconditioning, it's so much, it's such a relief, such a weight off. And so as we continue down that path of like triggering each other by what we say, like if he were to say to me, like comment on how messy the house is, that is huge for us. We have huge problems with that. I am not a clean, tidy person. Um, I literally don't give a shit about how clean my house is. Uh, I have a hundred other priorities and it's literally bottom. But for him, it's like the top. He literally doesn't think that there's anything more important than keeping your house clean. And that's tough. (laughs) That's tough for me because his top priority is my lowest priority. And for me to convince myself to make it a priority is really difficult. And I'm actively working on that. I've been actively working on it for a while now. And it seems to be going nowhere. Um, So every time... It just like feels like this pressure cooker situation where I'm not saying anything, but the house is getting more messy and more messy and more messy. And like we kind of get some headway on it, but then it gets even worse. It's like one step forward, two steps back. And I just know, I just know that he's going to like freak out. And then he does. And then I feel like it's my fault that I've like made him so angry and that I'm just like this pig, this pig garbage human, you know, that just, I might as well go live in the mud in like a compost pile outside because that's what my life on the inside is like. And that's like, not true, right? But it's this, this part of me that, that is really triggering and it makes me feel bad when somebody brings up the fact that I'm not clean. And I've been working on decoupling that word that term from the reaction and it's getting better but like last night I just like sat and literally cried on the couch like cry baby (laughs) because I didn't clean the house and it made my loved one angry because it affects his mental health and he feels disrespected when I don't do the things that make him happy like fair enough (laughs) so I'm working on it um But these are the things, like he, this is what happened. So um, he was cleaning out the fridge and I had put a coffee in there and it was like pretty much full, just like a to-go coffee. So it's not spill proof. And he accidentally knocked it onto the floor and it went everywhere. And he just like flew into a rage because he got angry that he spilled the coffee. But then his reaction seemed to be, quote unquote, an overreaction. But if you take it down and you strip it down, you say, hey, okay, so where is this anger coming from? Because it, it started, like, flying off, like, like a, a sprinkler or something, you know? Um, like, that's, that's the phrase, like, the shit hits the fan, right? Because when it hits the fan, it sprays everywhere. That's, like, it just starts going off in, like, so many directions and gets on everything so much misdirection, you know, and so much mess, emotional mess coming from this. 
So um, you have to strip it down and be like, why is this anger here? Why is this particular reaction happening? Where does it stem from? And, and in that split second, yes, the house was messy. But the messiness of the house was not the reason why the coffee spilled. And it was the coffee spilling that created the anger. It was like embarrassment or just like sheer inconvenience of making a mess. And then highlighting all the other mess at once, you know, it just kind of like spreads like wildfire. Um, so what I'm saying is that any sort of overreaction is a gift. <laughs> Did you not get that? Did you not get that from what I was saying? An overreaction is a gift because you can take it and it it highlights that there is something else going on here, right? And then we can start uh, un- undressing it and, and figure out what is happening underneath. And without these overreactions, we might not know that something's wrong. It's it's this cue be like, hey, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. You need to deal with this. There's something going on here that needs addressing. And and sure, it's it sucks that sometimes it has to get to that point where we get to that point of explosion. But the reality of it is that we're human and we try to make things as we just try to placate things as much as possible, play that everything is fine until it's not. And especially, I think, uh, us in recovery here, we buried things for a long time. We used alcohol to smooth things over. And I know that I did this when it came to the whole reactions and, like, crybaby thing and all being too sensitive. Like, I would just shut it down, you know? if that And that would be the end of it my boyfriend would comment on the house being messy and I would just start drinking and ignoring it. Anything that made me have that feeling like, oh no, don't you dare call me that. Don't call me that. Uh, Or there's no way, there's no way that I'm like that person that I dislike. There's no way that I'm like them. Do not point out that I have just acted like them because that would be devastating. So I would just stop it, stop it, start ingesting alcohol and wipe it out. You know, like, that's, I'm done. I'm not entering into that. I'm not willing at this point in my life to do the work, to improve myself. I just, I want to ignore it. So, it's cool to be able to embrace, like, hell yeah, I'm a baby. (laughs) I'm just, like, this little thing that has just crawled out of the womb, fresh out of recovery, and I'm, like, seeing the world with all these new eyes, but everything is so stimulating and weird and scary and hurts me. The lights are bright. The noises are loud. I'm hungry. (laughs) You know, it's just... I'm seeing the world in a new way, in this innocence and willingness readiness to take it on take on this new section of my life this new chapter and I have the motivation and 
d- drive an energy of a child, you know, like endless amounts of energy, like a puppy. I'm ready. I'm ready to take it on. I have all these projects, all these things. Like I, it's my life has become so full and it needs so much attention, but I have the ability to do it. I have the capacity now to go down these roads. And when I come to something that makes me feel uncomfortable and stirs up reaction in me, I can say, hold up, what's this about? And instead of ignoring it and pushing it under the rug, address it and use it as a way to either continue down that road and having completed the obstacle and leveling up or saying, hey, this is a warning sign. I don't think I should go down this path. This is reminding me of old patterns. This is triggering me in a bad way versus a growth way. And either way is growth, right? Knowing that making that personal boundary for yourself and saying, nope, this is where my emotions feel bad and I'm not going to go there. That is growth, my friend. It's just choosing the path. It's choosing the path. And I like to say that at the end of the poem too, I say, I'm not just a child, but I'm a mother. Because in hip sobriety school, there was this one mantra that we used. It was one of the days. And the mantra was, um, I care for myself as a mother cares for a child. Something along those lines. And that definitely switched something in my brain. The whole Uh, task was to start trying to talk to yourself in a way um, that was nurturing and forgiving and allowed so much space for mistakes and exploration. If you did something and you failed at it uh, and it or didn't go the way you wanted you say you know what honey that's okay it's fine just try again or try again tomorrow. You don't have to worry about it right now. So gently speaking to yourself in that manner was so healing for me. And I still do it sometimes, you know? In times of uh, stress or or discomfort, emotional crises. <laughs> Just like, you know what? You're amazing. You've got this. I love you and picturing yourself just hugging yourself in your head holding yourself caring for yourself we neglected ourselves for years right it's time to hold ourselves instead and and nurture this exciting new aspect of ourselves cultivate it and and help it grow spread its wings, encourage it, you know? Overreactions are good things, if they even exist. (laughs) Tomato, tomato, I guess. Overreaction, reaction. Just something that we all experience as humans, and... They're just little gifts, little gifts for us to unpack, unwrap, see what's on the inside. Here's my task for you. If there is something that you hate 
this thing that you avoid being called or like when you get called it, you just, oh, you, you want to just rip your heart out. You know, if you, if you have something like that, I'm sure you do just something that really grinds you the wrong way. There's some, something that you would, you would hate to be labeled as. Try owning it instead. Take that thing. Be like, you know what? I kind of am a pig, you know? Like, I kind of just, like, live in mess. I'm messy. Like, there was always this thing that people would say. It would be like, well, it's okay to be messy just as long as you're not dirty. That's how, that was the caveat on the end of the sentence, right? It's like, messy's fine. Like, I'm messy too, but... But, like, I'm not dirty, you know? Like, can't be dirty. Well, guess what? My fucking house is dirty, okay? Like, they're... Like, pots and pans don't get washed for a while. And they just sit there. Oh, my God. Like, is the world going to come to an end? No, it is not. I don't care. I don't care if if you think I'm gross. <laughs> That's up to you. You can think I'm gross. Go for it. But perhaps you judging me for being gross is a part of you that is not allowing yourself to not be perfect. Hmm? What about that? I gotta love myself unconditionally, right? There can't be this thing, this part of myself that I'm like, oh, don't go there. No, no, no. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. Because if I don't love every single aspect of myself, then what am I doing? It's hard. It's hard sometimes to look in those shadow areas. We want to close them off. We want to heal them over. But if you leave the bullet in the wound and let it heal over, it's not really healed, is it? You still have a bullet inside of you. I don't know. <laughs> Do you like my analogies? I just like, how many have there been this episode? I don't know. It's just a little snippet here, a little snippet there. <laughs> Probably like 30. Can you even keep track? I don't know. But I love that part of myself, too. That's just where my brain goes. That's just how I think about stuff. All the time. All the time, coming up with things. I mean, I guess to be a poet, you sort of have to see the parallels in everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of poetry, let's wrap this up. This bad boy was called Baby. Yeah, I want you to go out and I want... The next time something triggers you like that, I want you to be like... Hell yeah, I'm a bitch. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah, I'm lazy. Hell, like, I don't know. Hell yeah, I'm stuck up. Hell yeah, I'm aggressive. Hell, I don't know, like... Hell yeah, I'm quiet. The thing, the thing that hurts you the most when people see it in you, try owning it. Let's see what happens. Who knows, maybe it'll be a magical, magical shift. Like this one. Crybaby. 
to just beautifully, beautifully sensitive without knowing, without sensing these feelings. Like literally the root word of feeling is feel. It's something that you feel in your body. You know, it's not something to be tossed away. Honor it. I just, uh, I just saw a Yogi Bajang quote that my friend put. No, it was in an email from 3HO, um, from the Kundalini organization, 3HO. And it was a Yogi Bajang quote. And uh, I'm just going to pull it up really quick and read it to you. Because it is exactly what I'm thinking about right now. It's about transmuting things into something. It's like taking something that is perceived as bad and making it good. So the email, uh, the title is Transform Your Anger to Your Purpose. Transform Your Anger to Your Purpose. And this is the quote. It says, there's nothing wrong with fire, but when it burns your house, it is terrible. When it cooks your meal, it is beautiful. You just have to use it in the right way, right? That's all it says. You just have to take it and instead of misdirecting it, direct it in a way that is going to work for you. You can take any part of yourself and make it work for you. You know, there's these things that I've been hiding about myself or have been struggling with this past year um, that have being, been pointed out to me. And it's just like these little hard parts of myself that it's very, um, can be quite sharp. And I've been running from them. But sometimes it's okay to be sharp, and sharpness has a purpose, you know? You just have to use it in the right way. You feel me? Okay, let's end this. It's poem, Baby. I would never have called myself a sensitive soul. To me, sensitive meant crybaby. Someone who couldn't handle shit. Someone who overreacts overreact. That word is lost to me. Aren't we all just having chemical reactions to other people's chemical reactions? One big science lab world. The universe tinkering with our beaker brains until the balance is just right. I am a sensitive person. I'm sensitive to what's real, not to how you react to me reacting to myself or the world around me. I am a crybaby, an infant, unable to walk alone, but I'm also a mother who will always carry myself in my arms gently and unconditionally. I couldn't handle any shit. I wasn't ready. But now I am. Because my soul is as sensitive as the day I was born. Oh, have a great week, my friends. We will see you next time.